You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our tradition, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi T. Jacobson with NM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. So the last show, I was, I was about to tell you a great story, and I, I couldn't finish it. So I... I I slid it into this week, this show we have here, and I guess we'll start with a couple of stories early because it's just a week of stories, vacation time, or vacation mode. As I told you before, I'm still not wearing my tie because we are relaxed, chilled, enjoying, but I got to tell you this story. Amazing story. So if you're listening to the last show, so we were talking about this Abulafia Bakery in Jaffa, um, this story, again, is about 50 or 60 years old. And the Abulafia Bakery was owned by Arabs. Um, Jaffa was one of those cities, may still be one of those cities, where there's a lot of Jews and Arabs living together in the city. And on Passover, right, bakeries close during Passover. But if you're an Arab bakery, no reason to close during Passover. And as a matter of fact, this Abulafia Bakery was the only bakery opened on Passover, and he was busy. Cars came, blocked up the streets, Arab, because there were no other bakeries, and unfortunately, many Jews also would go to this bakery to buy bread because Passover was not their thing. A lot of very, I don't want to say anti-religious, but uh, but more than non-religious, so, sort of like religion is sort of irrelevant to, unfortunately, many Jews. And so, of course, you want bread on Passover. The Jewish bakeries close, and it was an Arab bakery. You don't care. Across the street from this Arab bakery was a Jewish um, shoe store, and the owner of the store's name was Shlomo Zalman Stauber. And it just ate him up. He just couldn't, he couldn't take it that that so many Jews would buy bread. Now, obviously, you can't stop everybody from doing everything. But if you could stop them a little bit, it shouldn't be so easy. They should recognize it's a holiday. He, he just was beside himself. And he decided he was going to do something about it. So, um, a few weeks before Passover, when I believe it was 1969, um, he walks over, and he's friends with the owner, he walks over to the store, the son is there, and the son says, uh, can I help you? Yes, can I please speak to your father? So the owner of the store, Sa'id Abulafia, comes out and says, oh, my friend, Adon Shlomo, how can I help you? So he says, I got to tell you like this. I got to tell you. Um, you know, there's a Jewish holiday, and uh, it's called Passover. And during Passover, Jews are not supposed to have bread. Obviously, you're not Jewish, so it's irrelevant to you if we're supposed to have bread or not supposed to have bread. You can sell bread to all the Arabs, but the Jews are not supposed to be buying bread. The, but the problem is that they're not so religious, and they come to your store. So uh, 
Sa'id says to Shlomo, he says, so what do you want me to do? He says, look, I know you make a lot of money over Passover. I know you make a lot of money. I'm willing to pay everything. Whatever money you would make over this week of Passover, I will pay the whole bill, and you should close for the week. So Sa'id says, my friend, I'm willing to make a business deal, but you need to understand that I make more money in this one week than the whole year my bakery is open. And Shlomo says, I understand. I'm willing. So he says, okay, give me, I need a little bit of time. Let me figure out. And he goes, sits down, he makes all his calculations. And he says, you sure? This is the number. It's a pretty big number. And Shlomo says, yeah. So they write up a contract that uh, Shlomo will pay X amount so that Sa'id will close his business over the week of Passover. And sure enough, he goes back to the store, gets his checkbook, writes out a check to Sa'id. And sure enough, the morning of Passover, a big sign goes up on the storefront. Um, the store will be closed from uh, April 20th at 9.30 a.m. until the evening of April 27th. Um, wishing all my customers a, a, a happy holidays. Sure enough, you know, people are not used to this. Passover comes, cars are going up and down the street, store is closed. And for the next six years, a few weeks before Passover, someone come across the street, Said, do we have a deal? Said says, we have a deal. Sign will go up, for store is closed for the week, Shlomo paid him. Everybody was happy. This went on for six years. In the, the next year, the seventh year of this deal, Sa'id tells uh, Shlomo, he says, I'm going to keep my store closed for the week of Passover, but I'm not taking any money from you. No more money. He says, why? He says, I see. My profits have gone up every year tremendously, not just a little bit. My profits have gone up tremendously, and I and I and I am sure it's because um, I I'm not selling bread to your Jewish friends uh, over Passover. So for now we stay closed, and you shouldn't pay me. Now, by the way, that deal I can't say today, but that deal was was on for years and years and years, even when the father died. Even when this Shlomo uh, Stabber is no longer alive, this deal went on for years. For all I know, the deal is still going on today. That I was not 100% sure when I read the story, but just a beautiful story of when, when, uh, when somebody cares, right? It's not good enough that I care about you and I'm concerned about you and I worry about you and I'm willing to tell you how much I'm concerned and I'm willing to tell you what to do. Can I, am I willing to pay for it? Can I come up with a plan that uh, nobody has to suffer because I want to take care of some of my friends? Can we do it? If we can do it that nobody suffers, that's amazing. Before we get into the next story, which is even more amazing, um, but uh, we got to take a little break here. But to all my dedicated listeners, I know you love the show and I need your help. To help the show spread, I need you to go to my homepage and hit the donate button. Leave a name. Um, I'll give you a shout out. Um, if you want to, you want to sponsor in memory of someone. If you want that, we should pray 
They should so much have a speedy recovery. Just write it in the notes. There's four levels over there. Just push the button, and you will allow the show to continue. You'll help our show grow. And in advance, I thank you very much. So after a day of fasting, after uh, the ninth of Av, so my son calls me for, you know, he had only a few minutes left to the day. For me, I probably still had another hour. And he was telling me some stories that he heard that morning when he went to shul. So this story, I don't want to say it's hot off the press, but this is just an amazing story. Just the lesson to be learned from this story. And it really follows the last story. You know, if you really care, what are you willing to do if you can? It's, it's nice that I care about somebody else. But will I allow it to cost me? Whether it costs me money whether it costs me something else, what am I willing to do? So listen to this amazing story. So there was a, is a young married Talmudic scholar. He still studies, he's married, has a family. And there was a Rabbi Wozner, I believe the story is in Muncie. And uh, he heard about this, um, this special um, Talmudic scholar and he wanted to speak to him and he brings him to his office and he tests them, and they have conversation. And when they finish the testing conversation, he says, I never in my life tested somebody who is just so full of Torah knowledge, deep thinking, understanding, lots of knowledge. So he asks the young man, he says, by chance did your father come with you? So he says, yeah, my father's outside. So do me a favor, please call him in. I want to speak to him. So he sends the Talmudic scholar out, brings his father in, and he says, you know, your son is amazing. I just need to know, like, you know, a lot of times when we find such amazing children, it's because the parents did something out of the ordinary, and I ju- or they raise their children a certain way. If you don't mind, um, can you tell me anything that would explain how your son is amazing, a superstar? Explain it to me. So the father said, tell you the truth. Most of his younger years, he was a regular, we'll say normal, average child. He studied, he did what he was supposed to do, but nothing overwhelming that made him any different, any better than, uh, than anybody else. Until one day. What happened? So, he, uh, so it was a, either a Monday or a Thursday, and... And on a regular Monday, Thursday in the morning, so uh, there's three people called up to the Torah, one after another. Each one, re- re- each one says the blessing, and then the Torah is read. And then after the Torah is read, then the Torah scroll is lifted up, and it's the person holding up the Torah scroll sort of spins around, and everyone can look at the letters of the Torah scroll. They say a verse, and he sits down, they roll it up. Now, happens to be only once a year, on Simchas Torah, on Simchat Torah, they actually, um, when they pick up the Torah scroll, they flip it. Now, it's normally when you lift the Torah scroll, the words are facing the person lifting the Torah scroll. On Simchat Torah, they, we do a flip, and you got to sort of cross your hands, and you flip it up in the air, and it's most people can't even do it. It's a considered, you know, very, it's like part of, like, all the uh, hubbaloo, that's, that's going on in Simchas Torah. It's all part of the fun. It's, it's only done that day. Anyways, my son gets, he's called up for Hagbah to lift up the Torah scroll, 
It's a regular Monday or Thursday, and he lifts up the Torah and he flips it around. And the place goes wild. Like, whoa, middle of the week, middle of the year, what's going on over here? You know, and everybody's laughing and talking and screaming and who knows what. And the um, one of the administrators, the mashkiach, um, comes over to him and says, I don't know what you were thinking, but after prayers, you meet me in my office. We're going to talk about this. Okay. So after prayers, my son goes to his office, and and he sits down, and the mashkiach says to him, what were you thinking? Like, you knew that this was going to make a rush, noise and talking and and the silliness. How could you do this? You're a regular serious guy. We don't play around like this. This is like embarrassing for the Torah scroll. How can you do such a thing? So my son says to the mashkiach, he says, I'm not sure if the mashkiach noticed, but the boy who was called to the Torah right before me has a terrible stutter. Terrible. And he's saying the blessing out loud, and he's stuttering and mumbling, and I'm listening to everyone around me. Everyone's talking. Oh, he can't talk so good, can't talk so good. He's stuttering, he's this, he's that. And a lot, a lot of noise, a lot of talking. And I felt this boy was getting terribly embarrassed. And then I get called for Hagway. I said, what can I do? What can I do to take away the embarrassment from that boy who stutters? And I did the Torah backwards. And I knew that everyone was going to talk about me. But guess what happens when they start talking about me? When they start talking about me, they forget to talk about the, uh, the boy who's embarrassed. That is amazing. They, 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 they talk about me, not him. For the most part, end of story, except it's not really the end of the story, because from that day on, the father said, everything my son studied, everything that happened, everything that was going on, um, it was just what we called Siata Deshmaya, help from heaven. It was like his brain opened. He remembered everything. He understood everything clearly. His recall was fantastic. And the father says, and I attribute it to the fact that he cared about somebody, but he didn't just care. A lot of us care, but are we willing to do something about, about our care? Are we willing to show that we care even if it costs us, right? He was called into the office. He was going to get it over the head, right? We're going to be embarrassed. People could talk about you for years to say what kind of crazy thing is this that you were doing, right? So like both stories that we said, we, we you know, we just finishing again in the three weeks. We, we want to bring back this, you know, that we love each other. We care for each other. But sometimes it's not good enough to say, I care about you. I got to do something. And that something could cost me money. Sometimes that something could cost me embarrassment. But am I willing to pay the cost because I care about you. So I have both these stories, both these lessons are just so powerful, so important. And uh, for that alone, it's, uh, it's, uh, the show is worth listening to. Okay. This week's Torah portion, we have from the most famous prayers. In this week's Torah portion, we have the Shema. The Shema, I'm sure all of you say it. You all should be familiar with it. The Shema is something that children 
And adults, by the way, go to sleep with it on their lips. So in the first verse, it says you will love God, right, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your money. So the Zerashimshin asks, very interesting if you think about it, when it comes to a positive command, right, loving God is an action, is positive, right? Um, not serving idols is a negative, right? Keeping the Sabbath, that part is positive. Um, I don't know, not watering my lawn is a negative. Um, eating kosher is a positive. Not eating um, pig is a negative, right? So when it comes to positive, we have this verse that says, you serve God with all your heart, with all your soul. Interesting enough, when it comes to negative, don't do something, there's no mention about not doing something with all your heart and all your soul. What's the difference? In other words, there's, there's, there's love and there's fear. When I serve God with fear, fear is keeping me away from sin. When I'm loving God, so love motivates us to do things. So both are important and both are necessary when it comes to serving God. Both. Both fear and love are necessary to serve God. The difference is fear is uh, it's automatically my heart and soul. You can't not do something completely. If I don't eat the pig meat, I completely did not eat it. I didn't sort of eat it, um, or a little bit I ate it. I either did or I didn't. So fear keeps us totally away from sin. Love, on the other hand, is really different. In other words, love is how I serve God, right? That was how I do his different commands, how I study his Torah, how I keep Passover, how I sit in his sukkah, how I shake the little of the netric. It's, it's all the positive commands. But you know what happens when you're doing something? The difference between not doing and the difference between doing, not doing. God said not to do it. I'm not doing it. That's clear. I'm not, I'm not a robot when I'm not doing something. But when I'm doing something, sometimes a person could become robotic. I got to pray. So is it, is it, is, am I an autopilot? In other words... I go to the prayers, open up the prayer book, put in the quarter, or probably 50 cents now, and the prayers just start coming, and my brain is on another planet, and I finish the prayers, and maybe prayer's over, and I sit down, and I open up a book, and I start to study, and my brain's still not there. In other words, to, to serve God properly in a positive mode, then I have to be into it. And to be into it, that's where you have your heart and soul, right? You have to serve God with love, with joy, with passion, right? Which, again, gets us into all our lessons, right? For children, we talk about this all the time, right? Children um, will do as you act, not what you say. So I got to make sure in the Shema, this first verse, you got to love God with all your heart and all your soul. And it's not good enough to be a robot. You gotta be way past robot. It's true if you do everything you're supposed to do. So yes, you did do what you were supposed to do, but there's no way to compare that to doing what God wants complete with 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 your whole self into it. Again, with with your with your uh with your heart, with your soul, you're you're paying attention, you're into it, you're thinking about it, you're you're involved in the process. And by the way, that passion 
children see that. You, you want your children to be passionate. You want your children to be into it. You want your children to be like you. Show them you care. Don't tell them how important it is to you. Show them how important it is to you. They'll see it. They'll figure it out. Very good. There's no guarantees in life. But you certainly have a better chance. Um, once we're talking about messages to children, I have a lot of stories today. In this show, I don't know, I just over overloaded with stories. But that's okay, because I think the last show you didn't get any stories. So fair is fair. So the story is told to my passion. Right? So there was a boy, his name was Dovey. He wanted one of these new electronic games. Uh, you can, you know, there's so many games out there, the Nintendos or this, you just name it. The family happened to live in Israel, I believe. Whatever this electronic game was, um, the son wanted it. And the father wasn't so sure it was the best thing for his child. And the son says, oh, can I have it for Hanukkah? And the father says, sure, I'll buy it for you for Hanukkah. And Hanukkah comes and goes, and the kid didn't get it. And the kid's harassing the father. And, and the Afikoman present, right, when the child steals the half a matzah, and he brings it back, and he makes business deals. And again, he asks for the game, and the father says, yeah, no problem. And again, months are passing. And, and he, the father doesn't know. He's torn. Should I allow my son to have this game? He didn't know what to do. So finally, the, um, the son says, come on, you keep saying you're going to buy it. You're not buying it for me. Like, what gives? So the father says, I tell you the truth. I, I'm not sure if it's the right thing, but it's not fair for me to just tell you it's the wrong thing. How about we call my friend Rabbi Halpern? And we'll have a conversation with him, and whatever he says, I'll do. Immediately. Are you, are you okay with this? So Dovi says, yeah, no problem. So the father goes into his office with his wife, with Dovi. They call up Rabbi Halpern, and Rabbi Halpern says, uh, who's in the office with you? So oh, my son Dovi is here, my wife is here, I'm here. So Rabbi Halpern says, you know, why don't you go out of the office? Just leave me with Dovi. Give me five minutes. Are you okay with that? Yeah, no problem. Well, five minutes turns into 10, turns into 15. Dovey comes out, and Dovey says, okay, I don't want the electronic game. Great. And they didn't even ask what Rabbi Halpern said, but he said, we spoke. I don't want the game. I want something else. Okay, what do you want? I want to go to Rabbi Halpern's school. Well, Rabbi Halpern's not the principal. I know, um, but... I, I, I am so blown away by how he spoke to me, how he related to me. I must be in his school. So come on, Dovi, you know, it's very hard to switch schools already. It, you know, by the grade you're in, all your brothers went to the school you're in, and the other school we never went to, and the classes are full, and they're not going to take you in. Dovi says, I don't care. I'm not going back to my old school. It's not good for me. you got to get me into the new school. Okay, the father says, look, I'll try, but, I, you know, I don't have high hopes for this. And Dovey says, I don't care. He calls every helper, and every helper again tells me, yeah, look, I don't make the decisions. You got to call the principal, um, but the likelihood is they're going to say there's no room. Uh, what should I do? My, my kids make me crazy. Well, sure enough, he calls the principal. The principal says, I wish we could take him. We have no room. There's nothing we could do. And uh, they're calling this one, calling that one. Nothing is happening. Anyways, it's getting closer to the school year. It's time for school supplies. So Dovey's mother is ready to take him for school supplies. 
So he tells mother, no point to be going to buy school supplies because I don't know what the school supplies are. So what do you mean you don't know the school supplies? They have the list. No, no. I'm not going back to the old school. I'm going to the other school. Well, we can't get you in. It doesn't matter if you can get me in or not. I'm not going back to the old school. You're going to have to get me in the new school. Um, look, I could sit on the principal's lawn. I could sit in his office. I, I, I'm not doing it. Anyways, out of desperation, um, Dovey's mother is friendly with the principal from the other school's wife, and she calls him, and she tells him the whole story with her kid. And, and she says, my son is telling me that I'm at risk. If I'm not in the best place for me, then I'm, I'm in the wrong school. So the day before school begins, they get a phone call. And the phone call is, okay, we'll take your son, but he's got to pass the test. We have to interview him. They run to interview him. They get the supply list. They run to get the supplies. And Dovey was a new child. Very interesting, just that kind of motivation. Uh, and here comes the music. Lots of stories today. Hopefully lots of good stuff. I hope you enjoy it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all the wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you on the production team. We have Cisco and Alan in the back. I hope I've listened to Food for Thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.